0: Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Our
1: reading today is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 18. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. depends on you live at peace with everyone may your word live in us and bear much fruit to your glory so i now invite john to come and speak to us thank you john
0: thank you um it'd be great if i knew you had that um, passage just sitting uh in front of you um, because we're referring to it quite a lot and um I won't be sharing it on the screen. So um, last week, if you if you were here um, last Thursday, I um, I spoke about anxiety, and I hope you've found some space this week to gain uh, perspective, and uh, to offer yourself in prayer, which, as I said last week, are the two antidotes uh, to to anxiety. But today, I want to look at one of the chief causes of anxiety. Um, Difficult relationships, (laughs) finding peace in difficult relationships. Um, I've been um, surprisingly blessed uh, over the years with um, very easy relationships for most of my life. I mean, I'm I'm sure I've caused many headaches to people, but I've had very few people who have caused headaches uh, to me. So I'm delighted. But uh, I've probably had two or three relationships in the last, I don't know, 20 years um, where I've kind of run out of energy to like them um, or to try and be liked by them. And I'm sure uh, you, you, you can think of one or two in the same. And Romans 12 has um, provided a, uh, a deep well uh, to, to draw on. And I want to share um, some of that with you. I'm going to focus on the difficult people part of this passage um, from verse 14, but um, I want to anchor it all in the first part of, uh, of of Romans 12. And the first thing I want to say just absolutely has to be said, and that is everything in the Christian life flows from God's mercy. In some ways, this is so um, obvious, um, but uh, but the most obvious things are the things that are easiest uh, to forget. But n- notice Romans 12 is is adamant that, that all that's about to be said flows from God's mercy. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And this stands like a heading over everything that now uh, follows and um the the point that I want to make and I'm going to keep on making it through the passage is that every little bit that paul speaks about now is in view of God's mercy now we see this um all the time through scripture if um, let me try and um, share my uh screen with you um you get you get little um, verses like this one um, be merciful just as your father is merciful Okay, so it's the mercy of God inspires our mercy to others. Or dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And this is one of those things, as I say, that's that's so obvious we can easily forget it. And the thing about Romans is the very structure of the letter makes this same point. It, it, it isn't just that Paul says, in view of God's mercy. Romans, as you all know, it is wonderfully theological from verses, from chapters 1 to 11. Right? It's this grand argument about the extent of God's love for all nations Jew and Gentile alike and then chapter 12 1 is the pivot point um, and says in view of you know all that I've just been talking about all the mercy of God you know for Jew and Gentile alike in view of that let me tell you some things to do and and so I take it that 12 verse uh, chapter 12 verse 1 is a heading over um, at least chapter 12 but maybe over chapters 12 uh, to 15. my point it all flows from mercy, and the first topic Paul applies this to is not really my focus, but I can't resist just saying one or two things about it. Um, so my second point is that God's mercy and our ministry. So everything flows from God's ministry, but um, God's mercy and our ministry have to be thought of together because his first topic there is about how we serve people with our gifts. Okay, our acts of worship include, you know, serving others, and so he says, "For by the grace given to me, I say to each one of you." Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members and so on. And then he begins to list the gifts that God has given to be used in church. And I, I take it that this is the overflow of God's mercy as well. God has showered his grace on us, salvation, and then the gifts that, that he's given us um, of prophesying, Verse six, um, serving and teaching, verse seven, encouragement, giving, leading in verse eight. It's all gift. And, um, you know, Romans 12 is one big grace fest. And I think it's worth remembering this when you get tired in in ministry, in serving, Uh, when you're weary and maybe you're just operating out of duty or uh, at the other end of the spectrum, operating out of ambition. Um a desire to be recognized, always good to wind back and remind yourself that it is the overflow of mercy, that our um, service of others is just a response to God's gift. We've been gifted, and so we try and gift, gift others. Um, much more should be said on that, <clears throat> but I want to focus on Paul's next application of this principle. Uh, my third point, God's mercy and our relationships. Okay, so he moves from ministry to relationships. But again, it's all the overflow of mercy. And I love from verses nine to 13, um, I love that every um, sentence in this rapid fire set of instructions is gold. I mean, you could do a whole sermon on each sentence. But all I want us to notice, before I get to the main thing I want to say today about difficult people, all I want us to notice as I read this paragraph again from verses nine to 13, is the way Paul so easily flips between vertical things, the love of God, and horizontal things, the love of other human beings. just It's just seamless. Watch this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. All of these are horizontal applications of God's mercy, right? Then suddenly, without warning, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, mostly vertical things. And then just when you think, okay, no, now it's suddenly a, you know, about our love of God, he flips. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Back to, back to the horizontal uh, commitments uh, or, or, that are all just the overflow of mercy. Now, I don't know if this is deliberate on the part of Paul, this flipping between the vertical and the horizontal, or whether it's just instinctive. Either way, um, this is one of the distinctives of the Judeo-Christian worldview. And I, I hope this isn't too nerdy. Um, I think it has a practical payoff, but you almost never get this in Greco-Roman literature of Paul's day. Um, in, in, in the Greco-Roman literature of Paul's day, theology and ethics are different compartments. Um, religion and morality, they just don't go together. So the greatest moralists in in the ancient world, in the pagan ancient world, think of Aristotle, uh, Cicero, Seneca, Plutarch. They hardly ever talk about theology. Um, they never do what Paul's doing here. That that, that there is theology and ethics. You know, the love of God and the love of humans are intimately uh, connected. This is a special Judeo Christian contribution to our world, and. Um, this was often pointed out by Jewish and Christian intellectuals. They often said, you Greeks and Romans, you don't know how to combine these two areas of life, but we do um, in my public Christianity class uh, at the moment. Uh, we're looking at the way people like Philo and Josephus on the Jewish side and uh, Justin Martyr and Lactantius on the Christian side loved to point out that their worldview, the Judeo-Christian worldview, unites theology and ethics in a coherent whole. Um, ethics wasn't just about philosophizing how to get by in life, which is basically how Greeks and Romans approached ethics. It was about living in accordance with ultimate reality. The love of God and the love of neighbor were intertwined. We have therefore uh, an authentic life. You know, when you live the Christian ethic, you're actually living in according uh, in accordance with the, the with the universe Itself Now, I think this argument, that's very ancient, is going to make a comeback. I think it is already making a comeback, because increasingly, non-Christian thinkers are publicly asking, how can we ground our humanitarian ethic, which obviously came from Christianity, in an era when we don't believe in Christianity anymore? Okay. Um, Tom Holland, the probably the best-selling historian in the world today, not a Christian, is asking this question. Uh, Luke Ferry, who's a professor of philosophy at the Sorbonne and also French education minister, uh, is asking this question, an atheist. Raymond Gator, Melbourne philosopher, atheist, asking this question. Um, How do you ground ethics? Well, Christians have always had a ready reply. Um, Our worldview says, in view of God's mercy... We have zeal for God, as Paul puts it, and devotion to one another, never separating these two things. And my, oh, my, does this apply to my fourth and final point, God's mercy and difficult people. (laughs) Um, Verse 14 starts to get really tricky. Uh, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is really when we need to remember the heading over this whole chapter, in view of God's mercy. Because... God's mercy is what it what, 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 what makes it possible for us to love the unlovely, for us to seek peace uh, with, with difficult people. Because the gospel itself announces that God in Christ blesses persecutors, mourned with those who mourned, associated with um, people of low position. Uh, more than that, God in Christ refused to pay uh, evil for evil. Instead, he showered mercy on sinners. So um, if I can uh, put it like this on your screen, um, God's mercy frees us to live at peace with difficult people because we know that we ourselves are difficult people to whom God has shown mercy. Uh, While that's on the screen, think right now of the person in your life you find most difficult right now. Can you do that? Okay, I'm going to do it right now. (laughs) And now ask yourself the question, do you believe the insult they've caused you is greater than the insult our sin caused God? The answer is, of course not. And ask yourself, is it more logical that God should bless you than that you should bless this difficult person? The answer is, Of course not. And if that's the case, um, God's mercy provides the rationale for living at peace with difficult people. It is in view of God's mercy that you'll be able to seek peace with those that you don't even like and that don't like you. That said, let me contradict myself, uh, or at least uh, offer a liberating uh, counterpoint. Um, I want to say God's mercy also frees us from having to get along with everyone. Why do I say that? Verse 18. Verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let's think about this. Some of us have a psychological need to be liked. Okay? Um, we, we, We want everyone to think happy thoughts about us. I know not everyone's like that. There are some people who couldn't care less, but... There are some of us who sort of have a psychological need and we go to unnecessary lengths to make people like us. And verse 18 is liberating in its wisdom because on its own, the command live at peace with everyone would be a burden, wouldn't it? Because what happens when you have fractured relationships? Oh, no, I'm in a state of disobedience. But the double caveat in verse 18 is awesome, if it is possible. And as far as it depends on you. Just one of these cave- caveats would be enough, right? But Paul doubles it up for effect. Sometimes you will not be at peace with difficult people. And that's okay. Paul is probably thinking in the first instance of the church's relationship with um, non Christian Rome. Um, I think he's sort of saying sometimes the world isn't going to like us. <laughs> and that's okay. Let's not become pathological about fitting in as churches, making the world like us. And um, I mean no offence to our theologically liberal uh, friends, but the drift to theological and ethical liberalism is in part a psychological phenomenon, a desire to be liked, to be part of the gang with the world. But the same principle applies to individual relationships with difficult people. um, Sometimes we're not going to get along. And you know, there's a a famous um, passage where Paul uh, experienced this, you know, know this passage, right? Where Paul has a rip roaring argument with Barnabas and Mark. Um, Mark was a bit of a weakling um, and had bailed on an earlier mission. And it says, Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus and Paul chose Silas. And left. <laughs> um there's there's probably a part B to that story, but at least for a time, this this relationship wasn't going to work. And I want to say that God's mercy is the key to coping. Okay. Um Christ's love not only inspires us to pursue peace with everyone, it also frees us from the psychological need to always find peace with everyone if you are confident in the mercy of God, you'll be able to say with the psalmist these gorgeous words. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Okay, let me conclude. Um, There's a really tricky balancing act I have to try and pull off uh, in in this message because some of you, I reckon, might be listening to me and thinking, excellent, I don't have to bother about that person I don't like. All right? You'll be receiving this message as justification uh, for your tendency not to try and find peace. When in fact, perhaps the Lord wants to speak to you about the need to show mercy to others, just as the Lord has shown mercy to you. And on the other hand, I bet there are some tender conscience people people with a tendency to always want to be liked who might hear what I said earlier uh, about loving the unlovely because of, you know, God's love for you. And you might be beating yourself up right now um, because you can't get a particular relationship sort of in tune. And maybe the Lord wants to say to you, relax. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, leave at peace. So I'm, um, going to leave it to God's spirit (laughs) to take his word and apply it to you, depending on what you really need. I'm just going to end by saying this. God's mercy in Christ, A, frees us to seek peace with difficult people and B, frees us from the need to find peace with everyone. May God take his word and apply it to our particular situation right now.